This is the Commercial Property Cashflow Blueprint Podcast. Big Cashflow Property Secrets from retired Byron Bay surfing fanatic and commercial property expert, James Dawson. I get lots and lots of questions that come into my member-only commercial website, and I thought it'd be a great little podcast just to run through some of the more common questions that come in every month. Another great question, do you often ask for the profit and loss statements as for businesses, the leasing space from potential deals? So I guess this means you're looking at a, uh, a deal with a tenant that's in there, and you wanna know how their business is going. And look, it is very common when you're checking out new tenants to get financial info, like their uh, you know, assets and liabilities, how they've been trading. But when checking out an existing tenant, it's really it's a little bit hard actually to ask for that. Not many people do ask for that, but the normal thing is just to get their payment history. Now obviously, uh, if a tenant's been in there for five years, something like that, and they've been paying on time, they've been paying all their outgoings and everything's been running smoothly, you would assume that their business is going pretty well. Now obviously the longer, the better. But you could always ask for some financial information on those tenants, and most good tenants would be happy to provide it, particularly if they're coming up to re-signing a lease. Uh, they may see that that's perfectly normal. So it's not the normal thing to ask for their, you know, their uh, accountancy statements, but you can certainly ask the agent that you just want to get a handle on how these guys are trading, apart from the normal things that you can do. I mean, sometimes you walk into a business, for example, and you'll see wow, they just don't seem to have any stock or they've only been trading for six months and it just looks a bit patchy. That's not a good, uh, that's not a good look at all if you're going to invest in that property. So uh, payment history from the agent is a great one and they'll obviously have to ask the landlord or the person selling that property, but you know, they're keen to sell the property and if, it, if everything's good, they should provide that for you. So you can check out the history of that particular tenant. Another question that comes in, uh, quite, uh, it's quite a common question, and I'll just uh, cut to the chase here with this one. I was wondering if you offer any advanced one-on-one mentoring to keep myself accountable to action. And this person, like a lot of people in property, have suffered a loss in the past. And of course, you know, people uh, listening to this, you might have suffered a, a business loss or, you know, loss through divorce or, or whatever that's happened in your life. So, you know, it can be a little bit of a struggle to, to get going again and, you know, to get over that sort of fear of failure. So, once again, I really like to suggest it's better to take things step by step. And, you know, obviously you need to get all your little ducks in a row, work out how much equity you've got to invest. Now, one way to get going uh, without putting yourself under too much pressure is to look at some real life deals and do the numbers. In fact, do all the research as if you're going to actually do the deal. So, but, you know, do a deal that's going to be real for you. So let's say you, you had $100,000 equity or cash deposit, something like that, you might be looking at a property that's around $300,000. So look at some of those properties, get all the numbers, do all the research. In fact, go and actually look at the property. That'd be a great thing to do. But don't pressurize yourself and get worried about pushing the button to buy it. You know, you could even talk to a broker and say, look, is this deal a possibility for me? And go through all the numbers so that, you know, you could see what the result of that property deal would be for you. Now, you might not want to go and buy that property, but it's a great way just to get your head around what you're actually going to do. And then, you know, you can go to bed at night and say, well, you know, I probably could do that deal. And um, you might want to look at 
10 more other deals before you say, right, I'm gonna make an offer on a property. But take it step by step, pretend you're going to do do the deal. It's a bit like sort of paper trading in the share market. I'm not a share trader, but you know, some people who trade shares, they say, look, a great way to do training is to sort of paper trade for a few months, pretend you've bought the properties and, and actually uh, do it like that so that you get used to all the, the metrics of everything. And uh, in this situation with property, there's nothing better than actually going physically to look at a property and talk to uh, the agents as well. And then, of course, before you you know pull the trigger and buy a property, you really want to get great legal advice. Make sure your solicitors had a look at the lease and do all the normal things in that in those due diligence checklists, so that you're comfortable with the deal. There's always going to be a little bit of stress involved. So if you find the right property with the right tenant and you know, of course, the right location and with a nice long lease and someone that's been there for a long period of time. That can be a very, very safe investment, but you just want to be comfortable with it, but don't sit on your hands and you know suffer analysis paralysis. You really need to get moving and start looking at sample deals so you can move forward. And one uh, friend of mine who's uh, very, very wealthy said to me once, he said, James, if you've never lost money in business, you've probably never done anything. So, you know, that's just another little point there. You know, don't be... Don't beat yourself up that you know you had a bit of a loss uh, with with property or business. You know you can always move forward. It's about seeing where you are today. You can't go back and just look forward and get moving to look for some great deals. There's another great question about month to month leases, and uh, this person has noted quite often solicitors in particular have leases that are month to month. It's probably actually it's funny that solicitors do it because they're probably sitting in their office. They've probably been there for ten years. But they think, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm not going to sign a lease because I know how uh, how tight a lease is for me as the tenant. Because you know, obviously, as I mentioned in the course, that you know, a lease is a very, very powerful document, and properly executed is almost like a mortgage. So you know, very good for a landlord, but it also protects the tenant's occupation of that business where their goodwill is. So, look, the big issue with month-to-month leases can be obtaining finance. So most most lenders do prefer a longer lease. And as an investor, you should prefer a longer lease. And at a minimum, I really would suggest a three plus three plus three lease. So that's three years with two three-year options. So often when you're looking at investments, they may be already two years into the first three-year term or one year into the next three-year term. So that can be a subject of negotiation when you're buying that property. And I've uh, certainly talked about that in some of the modules. But that's going to be much better uh, than nearly impossible situation of just having a month-to-month lease. Now, as a buyer, you could say to the person selling that property, either via the agent or direct, say, look, I'm interested in buying this property, but I would like a lease in place. So therefore, you can then make that deal subject to that. And sometimes the owners will then pressurize the tenants into signing a lease because perhaps they've been a little bit too lazy to do that in the past. So there's a few strategies there. I won't go into all those now, but uh, they did come up in another question of incentives to lease a property. And there's certainly lots of tactics there, and I'll, I'll put that up as a blog post as well. Now, I certainly would not ignore a property entirely just because it's on a month-to-month lease because it could be something that a lot of people have bypassed that property simply for that reason and you might get a much better deal than anyone else even imagined because you're able to put a bit of time in. So just to recap, I wouldn't ignore a property just simply because it's on a month-to-month lease because you might be able to buy a subject to a new lease being placed, you may get a great deal, but I would all, as always, run the deal past your lender just in case they're gonna raise some flags 
from the get-go that may cause you to leave this deal in the background and just move on to look at some other easier deal.